0: Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. I, I, we, just in case you didn't know, we got snow. So it's, it's, there's official things that happen. There's Thanksgiving, right, that passes, and then, then we get our snow. And we're like, oh, fine, all right, it's, it's here. And it's, I hope you're excited about it. Uh, we as a church have, uh, well, we came up with an idea, I'm being sarcastic, but this idea called Advent. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Uh, essentially, here's what Advent is. If you're new to church, or maybe you're new to uh, someone explaining some of the rituals that we do. Uh, it's, Advent's basically the coming, the, the arrival of Jesus. So don't get weirded out by churchy words. All we're saying is, is December specifically is a fantastic month to dwell on the arrival of Jesus. Now, sometimes though, we're like, so the baby shows up, we're like, neat, What's the big deal? And I know some of you are like, well, you gotta go to the rest of the story. And I I agree with you that. But over time, the church has dwelled on four main things, four like essential things that you and I ought to pay attention to when it comes to the arrival of Jesus. And so that's what we're going after. And if you missed the first week, we talked about uh, hope. This week, I wonder what we're gonna discuss. (laughs) We're talking about faith. Now just, if, if you missed the first week, this alarms some of us because you're like, um, David, you know, the, the advent calendar we bought says love. Uh, what happened? Uh, here's what this is actually talking about. The first week, known as hope, some would even call it uh, the candle of prophecy because candles would often get lit on, on talking about advent. Uh, the, the candle of expectation. The second week, you could call it the candle of faith or the candle of love being faith in the love of God or the candle of experience. It's when Christians said, you know what, we've got amazing things to hope for, but maybe you've asked this question. Yeah, but what about today? (laughs) Like, what do I do today with the arrival of Jesus? And that's where our faith plays out. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna spy in on the story of Mary and the story of Joseph in the Christmas story and learn from them all about faith. And here's my agenda, because I have one. (laughs) Is that when we're all done today, that faith will be less of a mystical thing to you and a very experiential, almost tangible thing you can walk out in your life. Rather than being something you feel like you don't have enough of, it can begin to be something you actually practice. Clear? That's my agenda. All right, so let me go into uh, the story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, which that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> Mary, sorry, it's just funny to me. I'm picturing it right now. Uh, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Uh, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. That is some fantastic news. Some of you would be cool with if someone visited you and said, hey, you're gonna conceive a child and this is gonna play out and, and your kid's gonna get good grades. You're gonna be like, I'm good, I'm good. Or your kid's gonna do their homework and you're gonna be like, that's all I needed to know. That's all I needed to know, right? So I, let's not miss the fact Mary just gets told information from an angel, which that's a whole nother topic of coolness. But she's told that she's going to have a kid, which lots of missing details there. But the angel tells her how incredible this kid's going to be. Tells her like, this, this is like game changer for all of mankind, And think about all, like, if you get told news about you, about your future, about how God has actually placed favor on you. In other words, God is going to give you an extra dose of blessing, right? Many of us would walk away from that saying, cool, fantastic. But do you know what we would be thinking? Exactly what Mary does as a response, and I love it. Here, Mary asked the angel, but how? I mean, you you can keep reading, but he's like, so the world's gonna be like changed forever. Like your kid's gonna reign on the throne forever. Uh, The supernatural's gonna happen to you. This is gonna be a game changer. But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I want you and I to relate to this. Come on. Where oftentimes we're called into a life of faith, but our lead questions are, "I need some details on this." I appreciate you want me to live by faith, but I need more information." This is where you and I can look at Mary and say, "I totally get her. I totally." She led with not, thank you, not, this is amazing, not, oh my, that's enough, I'm good, thanks a lot. She leads with, but how? Because it didn't make sense to her. You you don't need me to go through. I'm not gonna go through the details. (laughs) I think enough can be said by just saying the news she received did not seem logical. It did not make sense. It did not fit with her understanding of the human body and all that. Like, this doesn't make sense. The numbers don't add up. You got me? So we should relate. And then to add to that, you have uh, Joseph. (laughs) This is how Jesus Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, you you need to know, uh, to understand this, engagement to them was like, the legal part. Some of you are like, oh my. You're considering getting engaged over the holidays. Good for you. That's awesome. Um, traditionally, at least in Jewish tradition, uh, that was the finality. That, that's where you locked it in. Uh, was engaged to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, she, we don't have the details, but she tells Joseph that. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Other versions say he decided to divorce her. Strong words. And if that confuses you, don't let it be. Because back then, when you got engaged, uh, everything that just played out then was the formality of it, of the actual ceremony. What I want you to see is, is Joseph. We don't get, we're not privy to the conversation, which I would have loved, it would have made a great Netflix show, like you've got Mary showing up going, hey sweetie, I need you to sit down for a second. Um, I'm pregnant, uh, and, it, and it's of the Holy Spirit. And you and I, because we know the story, are like, he should just, you should just accept that. <laughs> you and I treat it as this, just normal. And you need to read that. Like, don't, don't miss these parts in the Bible where Joseph, not to be overly blunt with this, he heard however she delivered the information and he did not believe her. Don't miss that. The woman he was in love with, which note that he decides to do it quietly, which shows you a little bit how much he's in love he has no intentions of shaming her, of, of making her go through the mud on all of this, but, but he decides, okay, this obviously uh, is not gonna work, and he decides he's gonna end it. What you need to see there is that Joseph is just like Mary and just like you and I, that when we're often faced with living by faith, when God gets involved in our lives and he says things or leads us in places, and you and I, you know what we've had a tendency to do is think logically and say, I don't, that does not compute. I am out. That's why I love the Christmas story. You and I were taught this in school. Let me remind you. (laughs) Just bring you back for a little bit. When you were writing a paper, if you paid attention, uh, you were taught how to gather information. This is very simple. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Uh, If you need to do this for your exams coming up, you're welcome. This is how you actually begin, you're supposed to, a good, a good research project supposed to involve this, right? This is normal. This is standard good English teaching. The problem is, here's the problem, when you and I take that kind of information gathering and we plug it into our relationship with God, When you do that, when you do that, that's good for English class, but not good for your faith because then things begin to get at odds. In other words, the who and the what begins to go against the when, where, why, how. In other words, you've got who and what. Let's just say, let me teach you something about God. God says he's God. They're locked in the who. And you know what God said to do with your life and my life? You want your purpose? Here it is, you can write this down. Here's God's will for your life, for the rest of your life. God said to love him and to love others. There you go. There's the who it's about and what to do with the rest of your life. And you know what you and I do? Yeah, but when? But, but where? Yeah, but, but, but why? And definitely, how am I supposed to do that? Do You see how there becomes to be a, a tension between the two where we struggle living in faith. Because at the time of trying to treat God as a relationship and with faith, we're still in our brains, our minds still going, yeah, but I need, before I do anything. So here, uh, if when, where, why, or how are louder than who, what do we do? And I rhymed on purpose. (laughs) What happens when the way you and I are formed in the educational system, which I'm not hating on, when the logical part of our lives meets a God that you physically can't see, what do you do? And Jesus shows up, called Emmanuel, that God is with us and still calls us to a faith And many times, and I'm just gonna out us all as followers of Jesus Christ, as church goers, uh, this is the one that the majority of Christians feel is weak in their life and they're not telling anybody. This is if life does not go your way, what gets challenged. So we need Christmas. Christmas helps us. And I'm gonna sum up all of Christmas for you. You're welcome on this. Here, Christmas, Jesus arrived to deliver a relationship. It was moving out of a sacrificial system in order to be able to approach God, which was semi-relational, but very specific with the Israelites to where Jesus arrives to deliver a relationship that would eventually let the news out that anyone, everyone, if they want, could actually choose to follow the way of Jesus. Jesus arrived to deliver a relationship, and here, relationships require faith. That's, I mean, if you wanna work on that with your marriage, there you go. If you wanna be a good parent and you're trying to be a parent without having faith in your kid, you're not gonna be a great parent. If you're trying to be a boss or a leader yet not put your faith in the people that are working with you, you're not gonna be good. You gotta see how powerful faith is in our lives. And Mary and Joseph are here to help. (laughs) So, uh If you and I are gonna walk out with a tangible understanding of faith, we will examine Mary and Joseph, and they will tell us right off the bat, so please, you're gonna want this one. I was taught this a long time ago. Faith, prioritize the undeniable over the unexplainable. This is about as tactical as we could ever get when it comes to faith. You can plug this right into your relationship with God going, okay, I wanna trust God, I I wanna follow this God who I've never seen physically, I wanna do that. How? Do I blindly walk this out? No, scripture does not give us tons of evidence that you and I are called to a blind faith. I would argue we're called to a faith that prioritizes the undeniable while we navigate the things that we do not have answers for. Let me show you something. Mary, I'm gonna read this to you, and I I want you to hear it through the lens of how she takes the news that the Holy Spirit has made her pregnant, which is not, she's not like, oh yeah, I've got a friend, Sarah, who had that happen, and I've, no, she's not got any of that, okay? Just so we're clear. She's never heard of this before. She's never had the thought. She's definitely never had the dream that this would play out in her life. She gets told this stuff. And I've already read to you her first response was like, yeah, I'm gonna need some more details. Uh, How does that happen? But then she transitions, and in Scripture, we then get uh, this scene, for lack of better words, of Mary singing a song or writing a song or saying a song. And the song shows us how Mary decides to put her mind on the undeniable while not disregarding the unexplainable. So I'm gonna read it to you. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, Undeniable. She's like, oh no, I I talked to the angel. I can't can't just cancel that out and forget that. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. That's what she was told. For the mighty one is holy. That's undeniable. And he has done great things for me. Undeniable. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. Undeniable. You notice where her mind is? In the past, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. Yup. See, some of you are going, yeah, but you're pregnant from the Holy Spirit, and that doesn't make sense. And she's like, no, faith requires me to recognize what's undeniable. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones, undeniable. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble, undeniable. He has filled the hungry with good things, undeniable, and sent the rich away with empty hands, undeniable. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, undeniable, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. It is a tactic that you and I ought to adopt. If you want to walk in faith, here's the deal. You won't have every answer. Oh man, I got a list going right now. You probably do too, whether you've made it actually or you've got one though. I bet we could come up with a very lengthy list of the unexplainable things of life. Here is how a mature person, though, does it. You can have that list, but you also need to have the undeniable. And most Christians nowadays don't keep track of the undeniable things of God in our lives. You've allowed the Bible to be the one and only source of what you talk to about God, and the Bible is amazing, but he's also done things in your life. Keep track of that well, too, and you'll be living in faith. Joseph, uh, I think, does a similar thing. When Joseph woke up, because he has this dream, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Make sure you haven't forgotten that he was postured to divorce his fiance. He was ready to end it. He has a dream, wakes up to the same circumstances. Are we clear on that? Uh, The woman he loves is pregnant and it's not his kid. Yet now he's decided to stay with her. I would say faith is what got him there. And what happened is he had this encounter with an angel that he said, I can't deny, you can, you can, there's a lot of things I don't know, but I can't deny. So here is what uh, faith requires of us, curiosity. Am I willing to obey God and stay curious? We're gonna go after something for a minute. Because in the church world, sometimes we critique people who are curious about God we begin to say, well, you just need to pretend like you know. You just need to fake it till you make it. Let's stop that trash. Please don't fake things when it comes to God. You're allowed to be curious. You're allowed to have unanswered questions where you're like, yeah, I can't explain all that. But there are things I can't deny. What's going on in our current culture right now, there's two things that are being blended into one that aren't one, they're two different, two different words. One is us, skeptical. Skeptical person Uh, maintains a doubting attitude. In other words, they treat God like it's entirely up to God to make the relationship work. In other words, if you want to follow God or believe in God or trust God, you've decided if you're a skeptic to say it's all on him and everyone else to figure it out. It's an attitude of I just doubt and you got to fix that. You fix my problem. (laughs) Yay, skeptics. Skeptics rarely are looking for the truth. They're looking for their truth. It's an instant approach. It's where I will believe when you give me this detail, right, this instant, then I'll just turn it over and I'll just have a relationship. That's skeptical. Now, let me show you curious. Curious maintains a trust attitude. In other words, I'm curious going, you know, I, I wanna love God and follow God, and, and I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with him, but I got some unanswered questions. I, I'm gonna ask questions. It's, it's, it's more of what I call the, the pour-over approach. Are you familiar with pour-over coffee? We're gonna participate here. Um, Gabe, Gabe are, you, are you with me? Gabe, come here, would you? Hey, Seth. How are you? Good, how are you? Hi, Amanda. Hi. How are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm wonderful. You wanna stay up with us? <laughs> she, she just gave me the face. You don't have to at all. Like if you prefer to sit down, you're more than welcome. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so um, for those of you who, who aren't into coffee, transfer all that I'm gonna share with you into, into baking. There's a similar approach, but we're gonna talk about coffee. Um, If you don't know Seth, Seth has done many things in his life. Couple?
1: Couple?
0: Done things. Yes, well, we're not gonna go there, but we're gonna talk about uh, (laughs) the jobs jobs that you've held. Uh, At one point in your life, at a season of your life, you have actually uh, professionally made coffee for people. Yes, sir. Uh, Is there a difference between Like the way you make coffee, and let's just say for instance, for random thought here, the way Keurig makes coffee. Keurig, if you don't know what it is, this is a Keurig machine, if I'm even saying that right. Sure. There's a a little bit of a difference. The, uh, this coffee takes anywhere from five to 10 minutes to make, Mm -hmm. freshly ground beans, weighed, measured, temperature controlled versus Sounds like chemistry class. Pressed and squeezed. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, we didn't wanna leave uh, downtown or east out. So if you're at downtown or east, you can just raise your hand and, and, and Josh is there to serve you some coffee. Now, not enough for everybody, but for some, that's how we do things. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> so here's what we're gonna do. Uh, we've, we've let the Keurig in all of its glory brew a, do we even call it brewing? Produce a cup of coffee uh, we timed it earlier, 30 seconds, maybe 55 seconds if you want a really rich, you know, cup. Oh, but I brought Gabe up, because I know Gabe well enough that he appreciates the fine tasting of coffee. I do, yes. Gabe, before we do this, would you say there's a different, just, let's go in with, with any assumptions you've already made. Okay. Do you think one is better than the other just right off the bat? I do, Be honest. I, I do have an opinion. Okay, yes. okay, that's why I just wanna know if you had an opinion. So would you mind tasting one or the other first? And, and you can too. I'm just going to drink this the rest of the sermon. Okay. Um, you, just, just taste one of them. Uh, I don't know even which one you're picking first. Okay, okay now taste the other one, whichever one you've decided. So I just, just want to get an uh, Did we discuss this beforehand? I just want you to know that we're doing this very honestly. Oh, no, we did not discuss this at all. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's the benefits of being but a friend of mine. I get to drink coffee, and you aren't. So, uh, oh, man. There is a significant difference. Yes. Uh, significant, how would you describe the significant difference that you're experiencing right now? Are well, you saying the Keurig is much better? Well, not to sound too elitist, but one is good and one is not. Hmm. <laughs> Which one, just so we're on the record, is good? I prefer the poor. One.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: That was very politically correct. Yeah. Uh, would you say the Keurig is, oh, what's a good word? Garbage. <laughs> well, you, I mean it is coffee, it is coffee, but it's, uh, hmm. it is what one could call garbage coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. yeah. this is so good. Yeah. I appreciate your honesty Thank and your full disclosure. Uh, Seth, how long does it take a, a professional to produce pour over coffee? Okay. This one took about five minutes. Five minutes, yeah. okay. So give me a range. Five minutes to what? Five to ten. Five to five ten? To ten. Yeah. Uh, how long, you know, let's just say a professional who would make Keurig coffee. Professional. Um, how long would it take a Keurig professional to make a, a cup of whatever that thing makes? Uh, it depends on how long it takes him to carry it to the trash. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good way to end this. Uh, thanks, fellas. Appreciate your. This, this helps. Uh, All right, hey, take that. You you want the Keurig stuff? All right. (laughs) That's really good. If you can't, I know you can't, but man, that's really good. Uh, uh, Keurig people, because I think there's a people, (laughs) which I'm not hating on you. For those of you who are like, I'm so offended by that's what it's like to be a part of our church. Just be. (laughs) Do you know what Keurig people are? Because they're not bad people. Do you know why? people who drink cured coffee, you know, you know why they do it? Convenience. If you were to tell me anything, that, I got an issue if you're like, no, it's the better tasting. Then we can talk later on about, it's not the better tasting. But most people who drink cured coffee, the, the, the reason that brand is, has, has taken off is because you can get a cup of coffee and you don't actually have a bunch of waste, even though some would argue that you're creating a bunch of waste. Anyways, but you, you're, you yourself are not having like a big pot of coffee that you're coming home to that you gotta pour out and be like, oh man, I wasted all of that. And you're also getting it very, very fast. The reason most of us don't make pour over coffee, it was one the time. Most of us are like, man, I got, I got tons of time to waste in the morning. What do you got? What do you, well, I can spend $10 making my or 10 minutes making my one cup of coffee. No, most of us don't do that, even though you would say one is better than the other. There's a point to all this. Remember, we're talking about being a skeptic versus curious. Curious people have a trusting attitude, and I want to give you permission as a Christian to have a trusting attitude, because here, healthy relationships aren't fast or easy. Coffee can be fast and easy if you want it to be. But your marriage, you should never say what's the fastest approach and what's the easiest. Leading anyone in your life, you never should say, I just want to do what's easiest for me. Right? I mean, you would never do that. And if you want to have faith in God, you've got to allow time. That's what I'm getting at. And we live in a culture nowadays struggling to give God time. We're so hurried and wondering why we don't have faith because we want this instant God. Do this and you've got by the end of the day to do it. And most of us would say what we've learned though in life is the things that happen over time that takes time. Those are good. I'll show you something uh, Mary, I think this is, this, is a, this is a detail, but I think it's important. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Do you notice the language that she uses is lacking a hint of certainty. She has this interaction, very holy interaction, but her conclusion is, I am going with faith walk this out, are you willing with God, because this is the only way to have faith, is to get maybe one of your questions answered where you can find some undeniability in him, but there's gonna be this unexplainable stuff that you might have to wait to be in his presence in heaven saying, may I ask you a few questions, and that's okay. Mary and Joseph teach us that uh, relationships take time. Faith requires curiosity. I hope that helps a little bit. They give us a cue on another thing. Uh, Faith, uh, hit play instead of pause. It's a minor detail about Mary and Joseph that that gets spoken of, I've already told you, that Joseph decides uh, he's gonna leave his fiance, has a dream encounter with an angel, wakes up and is like, all right, I'm in this, I'm in this, I'm all in this. Can you imagine that conversation? How she's like, really? This is awesome? Many of us, in the sense of faith, because this is the difference between skepticism and curiosity, skeptics will oftentimes pause everything and wait. That's the instant approach. You pause it and you're like, give me all my answers. A a curious person says, I don't know everything. Let's go. (laughs) Let's do this. Read your Bible and you will learn over and over and over of God messing with people's plans in order to strengthen their faith. So let me ask you a question you may not want to be asked. (laughs) Are you receptive to God messing up your plans? Because if you want to trust him, there's only one right answer. Because if you're not receptive, if you're not willing for God to mess your plans up, you're actually saying, I'm not willing to put my trust, my faith in you. If you were to read the Bible from beginning to end, here's what you're going to, you know, a bunch of stuff, I'm going to leave a bunch out. At one moment, God asks a guy to sacrifice his son, literally to, in our terms, to kill his son. God asks him to do that, and the moment, the scene went all the way to the moment that we believe Abraham had the knife above his son, about to kill his son, and that's when God intervened. Another moment, you've read it in your Bible, God goes to a guy and says, hey, it's gonna rain a ton. I know you've never even seen rain before and aren't quite sure exactly what I'm saying to you, but it's gonna rain a lot. So you need to build a giant boat. It's gonna take you 100 years to do this. He doesn't give him all these details. The boat takes him 100 years to build, and eventually rain comes and floods everything, but God asked the dude, hey, I need you to build a boat, and he's probably thinking, Okay. All the way to our story, God asked a woman, hey, I know you've never been with a man, but you're pregnant. And I need you to raise the son of God. I know you didn't sign up for this. I I know this is not what you've been praying for. I can walk it into my own life. There was a day... Uh, that my family lived in a state called Kansas. Uh, Some call it a flyover state. We think it's got its good qualities. (laughs) God said, hey, I'd like for you guys to move to South Dakota. And we're like, but we don't know anybody there. He was quiet on that one, did not seem to care a whole lot. (laughs) And so we moved to South Dakota, away from all family, all friends. You have your own stories probably if you've been a follower of Jesus Christ where you've, you've heard a prompting from God to do something that wasn't the most logical, wasn't maybe the best financial decision. <clears throat> maybe you had to leave some family or some friends behind. Maybe you had to make some choices that were painful or just really tough for you to walk through. And see, nowadays as Christians, sometimes we're like, well, what makes the most sense? That must be God. I would divert your attention to what doesn't make a whole lot of sense? And at least put that into the equation. Are you receptive to God messing up your plans? Because faith will require a receptivity to that. This is why your pastor will sometimes come up and I'll talk to you about forgiving someone in your life and jack up your plans. Or I'll come up and talk about, ooh, about giving money to God and be like, mm, that's not in our plans or I'll talk to you about serving somewhere or or living a sacrificial life, and you see how the faith that we want in God is on the other side of being receptive to whatever he asks of us. Uh, Just a detail about Mary and Joseph, Uh, they didn't only believe, they obeyed. So God's been messing with me on this one, really frustrated by it, but I'll share it with you. Uh, I was taught about, about following God uh, so I think in, in context of my life of, of well, I, I, lead, I, I help lead a, a family, I help lead a church, I, I help lead a staff, and I've got kids, and there's these different places in my life, these groups of people that oftentimes I'm, I'm helping lead, right? So I've been thinking about you and, and, and me In the world of, like, you lead people, I lead people, whether you're paid for it or not, it doesn't matter, there's just people that you're leading, and how do you and I take faith in God and plug it into all of the regular relationships that we see where we would say, I'm loving God but loving others well? Well, Let me teach you something about basic leadership. Basic leadership says that in order to be a good leader, you need to be a a servant leader. I was taught this a long time ago. I. I'm not gonna apologize for this. I'm just gonna tell you that, that sometimes I think that's, that's a, a wrong direction to go, servant leadership. Let me tell you why. Because it has a tendency to still elevate a person. Uh, let's, let's talk about this as a parent to where I'm dad and I'm gonna occasionally come off my throne, my chair that is so soft and comfy and then reclines. And, and you know what, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get my own glass of water. Instead of asking my eight year old to go get it for me, <laughs> servant leadership. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Some of you are looking at me like, how does he know we do that too? I know, I'm ta- <laughs> Sometimes we do things for ourselves. I'm telling you, servant leadership is, is not bad, but, but how you and I engage servant leadership still has a bit of a posture of, I will occasionally come down from my throne, maybe, if it's convenient and you see it and post about it. <laughs> so here's where God's messing with me. We talk about a word for the year, oftentimes as a church that guides us. This year, our, our word for the year is stand. And so I've been asking God, give me a word for, for me personally for 2022, and he did, and I hate it, it's awesome. Uh, <clears throat> servanthood. What if you and I bypassed the idea of servant leadership and we just became servants? So I'm the guy to call for any projects you might have in 2022, apparently. Uh, If if you wanna walk your faith out, Mary and Joseph didn't get all of their questions answered, but you know what they did? They walked out and said, you know what, but we're servants, let's do it. Many of us Christians are not acting like servants. We're acting like we're privy to a bunch of information that God never said we're privy to. Let me me land here, Philippians. Uh, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Talking about Jesus. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Servanthood. If you want to have faith in God and live it out, I'm going to challenge you to look at being the best servant you could ever possibly be to anyone and everyone around you, especially God. So a question, perhaps a, a final question here. Does your faith have both information and application. Most of us, when we are being challenged by God and there's something in front of us, we're like, I don't know, we become information gatherers. We've already talked about this in the sermon. I'm not suggesting that you give up on information. I think information is good. I love the Bible and think it's awesome. But many of us have a deficit in the application world. Peter Kuzmich says this, and I think this is a good connection from the first week to this week. Hope is the ability to hear the music of the future. Faith is the courage to dance that song today. Meaning if you want to have faith, you have to have courage. Courage to do what? To apply what God teaches you and I, to actually let our plans get messed up a little bit where maybe you weren't to do this, but then you got sidetracked because God prompted you to talk to someone or to do something for them. Or maybe even bigger than that, maybe God is really messing with you and calling you into something that will change your entire lifestyle and direction. The story of Mary and Joseph is not just great characters in the nativity scene. What we learn from them is that faith is real. It's tangible. And we go after it. There's your challenge. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thanks for meeting with us. Lord, I ask... uh, in the name of Jesus, that every person hungry for faith, every person willing to have faith, any person even ha- with a hint of curiosity about faith in you, Lord, would you, would you meet every one of us exactly where we're at, and Lord, I pray with, ha, Lord, with everything i got, would you spark amongst this church a willingness to do whatever you want of us whenever you ask, Lord, would you raise up a group of Christians that would not only know about you, but would live for you. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who showed up here on earth to deliver a relationship. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.